Hey everyone, welcome back to Knowledge Quest. This is Slate Thacker, your host, and today we're talking about issues of mental and behavioral health. During class this week over a Zoom discussion, one of my students said that they had had what they felt like was kind of an out-of-body experience, and they wanted to know, how do you put yourself back in your body? So I thought over the next few moments, I would share with you tips, tricks, and ideas from professionals in the field of behavioral and mental health on how to come back to yourself when you're feeling a little out of control. This is Knowledge Quest. Okay, and we are back, as they say in show business. Before we get started and really get into the meat of our discussion for today, I wanted to just have a moment kind of like a disclosure statement and a little bit of like consent to listen. Um, Explain again my background and what this episode is doing and what it's not doing. Okay, so, um, and perhaps this is the therapist in me. I'm not quite sure, but I just want to make sure that we all really understand like, where are we going with this and, and, and what is it meant for? So my background is in clinical mental health therapy. And once upon a time, a long time ago, I did have a private practice. Uh, but now I work, like I said, at Oregon State University and I teach personal and professional development. And with an amazing team of people, we work to help students' dreams come true. So I do sit down with them uh, individually and we coach and we go through ideas of, you know, what do they want to do and how do they And then I connect them with resources to make their dreams come true. So what are we doing here today as we kind of talk through this idea of what do we do when we're feeling, when our bodies feel out of control and how do we come to a place of peace and, and like we can, we can kind of be the master of ourselves again. So I'm going to, I'm going to share with you ideas and resources specifically from two of like my favorite researchers in the field of uh, mental and behavioral health. Um, so the first one, her name is Marsha Linehan. I guess actually first, let me say this before I get into the whole thing. So this is not treatment. This is this is us. We're we're friends. We're we're talking. We're sharing ideas. You're asking questions, and I'm finding the answers to them. So in no way is this is this a substitute for treatment or a place where you can be like, oh well, Slade told me to do this. Okay. All right. So first researcher, love her. Wish I could meet her. Um, her name is Marsha Linehan. So. Any of you out there who are listening, if you know Marsha, and I, Marsha, I hope it's appropriate to call you that, um, if you know Marsha Linehan, I would love to have that connection someday. So she is the creator of Dialectical Behavioral Therapy, and her and her amazing team of individuals have worked over the years to develop resources for those who are experiencing severe and persistent mental illness. Now, where I get really excited about Marsha's work is that I see direct application for those who might not be in the moment experiencing severe and persistent mental illness. So um, those could be personality disorders or um, severe depression, suicidal suicidal ideation, or um, suicidal thoughts. And so I've always been looking at Marsha's work uh, from the lens of how can we help those who are like, hey, I'm just having a hard day, or I just... I feel like I'm. I feel like I get really anxious, and how can I how can I come down from that? So I'm going to talk a little bit through Marsha's work, and then, um, and then we're going to talk a little bit through another one of my favorite practitioners, whose name his name is Peter Levine. Um, he is 
steeped in trauma work. And so he works with individuals who have experienced traumatic events and his, his mission, his goal, his work is to help remove trauma from the body. It's super cool. Um, my, one of my favorite books of his is called In an Unspoken Voice. It's Peter Levine. That's L-E-V-I-N-E. Okay. He also, um, another one of his books, which is, uh, more well-known is, uh, Waking the Tiger. Um, and then he also has one that's more specific to children and that's Trauma Through a Child's Eyes and Trauma Proofing Your Kids. I have the Trauma Proofing Your Kids book. It is, if you have children, it is amazing. It's so simple, super easy, and just ways to build in strength around when hard things happen. I'm still here. I'm still alive and I can get through it. It's really beautiful. Okay, so let's kind of talk again through this idea of like the out of body experience. Um, you, you are all such brilliant people. Like I know that you can go and you can find articles and research. You could just do a web search on it, like I did, and find a whole myriad of like, oh my lanta. Um, because I didn't want to get like too counselory on you. Like I could go deep into the, like the mental part of it and like disassociation and what's happening in the mind and all of that, like the neurology behind it. Um, but I'm, you know when is too much too much? And so, um, I thought I would give you just more of this, um, I don't know, more of like an illustration or an idea of what it is, right? So when we are feeling kind of outside of ourselves, that's when we like sometimes in its severest form, right? It's like, we're looking at ourselves like, oh gosh, I can, I feel like I'm watching myself or whatever. Um, on the softer side, on the softer side, it's more like, um, it's more like, oh, this is like a really real moment. Like this feels super real and you're really aware of, of the moment. Um, these experiences can come, they can come out of the blue. They can come where we're really stressed. Um, they can come in relation to a trigger um, that you maybe knew or you didn't know that you had. Um, and there is a lot of research around this and a lot of different definitions of what it is. Um, some of the some of the definitions that I really appreciate is that it's, it's really a coping mechanism for your brain. It's your brain is checking in and it's, it's looping back. And, um, and so, you know, when these things happened, you know, I think that that's why I come back to the work of Marshall Linehan and Peter Levine, which is around awareness and really becoming aware of what is our mind and our body doing in that moment. So you might not be able to explain it. You might not be able to put words on it and you might not know, you know, the technical names for all of it or what's happening neuro neurologically in your brain. But, um, from a practitioner standpoint, right, that's where I kind of live, uh, is, but I can be aware of it. And in that moment, then I can, I can get back to living life. Cause that's, that's what we really want to do. So what does, what does Marsha teach us? What does she teach us in her, in the land of dialectical behavioral therapy? Um, she has a lot of books, um, uh, her, the one I mainly reference is Marsha's book, uh, which is, um, the DBT, uh, skills training book. Um, and you can find that, I think she publishes exclusively through Gulliford, uh, press, but you can also find it on Amazon and other, uh, publishing sites. Um, and that one is really, that one's really for, that is for DBT skill trainings skills training professionals. So it's not one that you want to like go out to the store right away and like go and grab that. But other ones that like are introductions to dialectical behavioral therapy. Um, one that I pulled up directly from, um, 
that I pulled up directly uh, from the OSU website uh, on, in the library uh, was uh, her book that she uh, co-authored with Alec L. Miller and Charles Robert uh, Swenson and Jill H. Rathis is Dialectical, Be Dialectical Behavioral Therapy with Suicidal um, Adolescents. Um, it is, so it's from this lens of suicidal ideation, um, suicidal behavior, and specifically working with those who are, um, in our, in their adolescent years, but really interesting concepts. And again, how my idea is like, how do you apply that to the everyday life? Um, I, in a, in a given moment might not be experiencing, uh, suicidal thoughts, but sometimes I do like. Sometimes I get super anxious or sometimes I'm, I'm like, I'm sad. And, and sometimes like my children are driving me crazy. So how do I, you know, how do I use skills that help me? How do I, how can I use those DBT skills, which are meant to help somebody who's experiencing really extreme emotions, really extreme thought patterns and behaviors, and how do I apply them to myself as well? And so one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite skills from Marsha is STOP. So it's an acronym. It's S-T-O-P. And it stands for stop, take a step back. So S is stop, T is take a step back, O is observe mindfully, and then P is proceed carefully. This skill has helped me as a parent and as a fellow human being so many times, I can't even tell you where I am recognizing, I'm recognizing triggers. I'm recognizing like as a parent, like old oh, man, like they're pushing buttons and things like that. And I just, I tell myself, stop, just stop right now, whatever you're doing, like whatever, wherever you're at, whatever you're feeling, just stop, stop what you're doing and just take a moment to recognize what's happening in your body. Like recognize what's, you know, is there any tension in your body? Where is that tension? What thoughts are going through your head right now? You know, what's like, do you have any urges or desires or like, what do you really want to do in that moment? So like that's, so we stop, right? We, we literally, we physically stop. And then we, that, that process that I just took you through is kind of that you take a step back. Marsha encourages those who are going through this too. If you need to literally take a step back, literally just move your body back physically, um, which is, it might feel kind of weird when you're doing it, but sometimes in order for the mind to move and to shift, we have to move the body. And with this idea of like, when we feel like our mind has gotten away from us, or we feel like it's not a part of our physical self anymore, it's important for us to, to actually physically move again so that we can, we can start to come back to ourselves. And then that, that observing mindfully is where we're, we start to like, we go through those bodily sensations. Can I feel my feet and my shoes? Can I feel like, can I feel the, like the air on my skin? Can I feel my pants like on my legs or, or whatever it is? in that moment, you're giving yourself, maybe remember when you're growing up and your parents are like, count to 10. I remember when Arthur um, would say that <laughs> uh, on PBS, right? So to count to 10, right? And it's kind of like that, but you're doing it more mindfully. You're being more intentional about that practice. And then after that, like once you've given yourself, and there's no time limit on this, like there's, there's no Marsha doesn't even give a time limit on how long you're going to observe. But then when you're ready, and you'll know, I think I personally believe that you'll know, and again, not therapy, but my personal opinion is, is that you'll know that you'll be able to proceed carefully. Now, don't forget that word. 
when you're being kind to yourself and when you're being kind to other people, proceed carefully. So I'll go over that again. So remember, when we are like, when we're experiencing that, right, it's stop. When we're feeling like, well, I'm about to be out of control, or I'm feeling out of control, or I'm just having too big of emotions, what can I do? You can stop. Take a step. You can stop, take a step back, observe mindfully, right? Mindfully, that could be a whole nother podcast. Just think of it as intentional thought patterns. You are observing how you're feeling, what's going on in your body, all the systems, what's happening in your mind, what's happening in your in your body. And then you proceed carefully. It's really, it's one of my favorite things. It's something I really try to teach my kids. Um, it's something I try to practice every day. And uh, it's just one of the skills that Marsha shares in her work with TBT. So we're going to just take a little bit of a break and then I'll come back and share some more thoughts with you from Peter Levine. Okay. We're back again after that little musical interlude. If you have any ideas or suggestions for music that you're like, hey, Slade, could we like change up the music whatever right now, right? We kind of got that like cheerful guitar going on. But if you're like, hey, why don't we try this out or whatever? Um, or, you know, it'd be even cooler, which I would love to do for you. If you, are music- if you are a musician and you're somebody who's like, hey, I'm just trying to get my music out there, I would love to feature your music on the podcast and give you a little bit of a shout out and say, hey, that track was by so-and-so or um, that would be really cool because really this is this is about you. That's that's why I love this podcast because it's about you, it's about your growth, and it's about connecting you with uh, with the people and the resources that will help you be successful. So I mean it when I say it. I really care about you and I want you to be successful. Okay, so we're just coming back after talking about Marsha Linehan's work with TBT and looking at her just one of her many skills um, called STOP and that acronym. And by now you probably can tell me back what it means, um, but in case you forgot, remember it's to literally stop, take a step back, observe, and then proceed carefully. So now we're going to talk a little bit about um, Peter Levine and his uh, trauma-informed work. So Peter, to me, again, also I hope it's appropriate to call you Peter because in the professional world it would probably be more appropriate to call you Mr. Levine, but we're just going to move past that. All right, so Peter's Peter in my observation of his work and his, um, what he's been doing now, this, this very beautiful man is much older than I am. <laughs> um, he probably could be like maybe my great grandfather. Uh, well, maybe not that old. I apologize if, if that was offensive anyway. So, but he, he could be my grandpa anyways. So, but so he, Peter has been working in the field of trauma informed work for a very, very long time. And he is, he just has this amazing way of looking at the body and the mind. This, for him, in his work, it is this, it is truly a, it's a mental, spiritual, physical connection. And um, one of my favorite quotes from the forward to In an Unspoken Voice, which is the text, um, which is the text that I have for him. Um, so... Oh, I love this part. Okay, so I'll just read this first paragraph to you. Uh, This is from In an Unspoken Voice uh, from Peter Levine, and the foreword is by 
uh, the, uh, the forward is by uh, Gaber Mate, an MD um, and an author of In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts, Close Encounters with Addiction. So just want to give all the recognition where recognition is due. So this is what, um, and I apologize if I'm saying that name wrong, Gabor or Gabor. In an unspoken voice is Peter Levine's magnus opus, the summation, the summation of his lifelong investigation into the nature of stress and trauma and of his pioneering therapeutic work. It is also the most in, uh, innate, sorry, intimate and poetic among his books most revealing of his own experience, both as a person and as a healer. It is also his most scientifically grounded and erudite. So in case you're wondering what erudite means, why don't we take two seconds and look it up. Erudite. So erudite is having or showing great knowledge or learning. So I'm just gonna like be real about the fact that I didn't know what erudite meant. Uh, but having or showing great knowledge or learning. So let us all aspire to be more erudite in our lives <laughs> and to be vulnerable when we're not. Okay, so Peter in his work, just as a brief summation for you. So Peter in his work, he seeks to understand the science of the stress response in humans and how that works in relation to trauma. And then he has worked again, like I said, for a very long time, to observe that stress response in other um, animals and to see how did they cope with it and then how do they get over it. Um, one of the most um, mind-blowing, <laughs> uh, one of the mind most mind-blowing observations that Peter made was this. So in animals, when they have their stress response, so that's used. So it's for them that is, and for us as well, it's a coping mechanism, right? So our brain goes into like lockdown mode and, but then the animal shakes it off. The animal is able to come out of it again and they're able to return to homeostasis. And so Peter in his work, he's, he's wanted to know why, why can animals do that? And why can't, well, why do humans struggle to do that? And one of his, um, one of the illustrations that he makes is he says that the human stress response is kind of like a slinky. And when we're in homeostasis, the slinky is kind of in constant motion. So it's going, if you can imagine, you know, you're holding a slinky vertically and it's going up and down, up and down, up and down. And then when you experience a stress, uh, a stressful, um, a traumatic experience, let's be honest, a traumatic experience, that slinking no longer is sending energy up and down, it's clamped down. And, um, but it's a spring, right? And it's meant to be in motion. And so the body goes into, right, goes into distress. And the human experiences, um, they experience symptoms relative to post-traumatic stress disorder. And so that could be a myriad of things. Again, this is not therapy, just a place for us to explore and to, um, to, to become erudite ourselves by the <laughs> by the wisdom and the research of others who have done a lot of work in the field. So Peter, like I said, he works specifically with those who have experienced uh, traumatic uh, traumatic experiences. I have seen um, I've seen documentation of his work with those um, with veterans of of war, um, and I'm going to take you through one of just very simple practice, which is like. I think it's so powerful. Again, one of those things that I use in my own personal life that's just like really baseline, super, uh, baseline might not be the right word, but super basic. 
Um, and I've seen him also work with children. Um, one of my favorite um, documentations that I've seen of Peter Levine is he was working with a young boy who um, had had a like young meaning like uh, younger than two years old. He, who had had a traumatic birthing when the baby was born, the, the birth was traumatic for the baby and was, this baby was experiencing acid reflux and a lot of other symptoms. And the doctors wanted to go in and, um, do, um, they wanted to do a scope of, of his throat and other things and other procedures. And the mother was just really upset about it and somehow had gotten connected with Peter and Peter did this work. Um, it's called, um, so it's called psychosomatic work where we work with the body. Um, you can have psychosomatic, um, symptoms, right. But this, um, when we work therapeutically uh, with psychosomatics, we're, we're working with the body to help relieve the psychosis. Okay. So this child, um, he did the psychosomatic work with this child. And for him, that involved a bit of applying pressure just in the body, just simple pressure and allowing the child to push back. And that was relative to this, that was relative to this child's experience when they were born. Now this child doesn't remember when they were born, obviously. Right. But the, the body remembers the body knows. There's a lot of work on how the body knows. It's it's really, it's really really cool. Um, and through these sessions with this child, they were able to help him overcome uh, his his physical response to um, to the psychological trauma. Really powerful work. Anyway, so again, right? I'm kind of like the normal Joe guy. <laughs> I'm um, I'm the guy who's like, well. How do we help the rest of us who maybe we have experienced traumatic experiences, maybe we haven't, and we're just trying to like, we're just trying to be okay. And so I've looked at um, Peter's work around using um, pressure points in the body and using um, energy flow and other ways of physically emoting um, so that our body can, can relieve stress. Um, and just again, like in a moment of kind of like vulnerability, um, I get so excited when I make these podcasts that sometimes like my muscles get really tight. And so I do some of these things that Peter suggests that we do. Um, so running in place, um, this, uh, one of the ones that I want to share with you is just, it's taking a deep breath in and then on the exhale, you're going to, you're going to vibrate the voice as vibrate the head that whole like mouth cavity in your throat with a voo. So it just sounds like it's a really low voo. Get it as low as you can. So voo. You never thought you'd hear that on a podcast, would you? So here we are together making a voo sound. But you do that. You just keep doing that. Allow that vibration to go throughout the body. You don't have to think about it. You don't even have to like pay attention to what's going on in your mind. Just allow that that sound to vibrate through through your body. And notice what's happening as you're doing it. I hope that you're doing it as you're listening. Notice where do you where do you notice any stress coming up? Where do you notice any tension going away? Deep breath in and let it out on the vu. That's a v like a v o o vu sound. And what Peter teaches us is that as we engage the throat and it takes that deep down into the tummy and the tummy is one of the <laughs> tummy is like one of the biggest collectors of stress and anxiety that what we're doing is we're disrupting we're disrupting that clamp right so if you think again of the of the the slinky right so when we so stress we clamp down as humans right because we have to control and we have to be in control 
and Peter says, well, what if we, what if we like trip wired that or, um, or tripped that control mechanism and we let the body do what it needed to do? What if we let the body cry? What if we let the body shake? What if we, what if we let ourselves, you know, get out the stress that we have to get out? And maybe you've experienced that in your life. Maybe, you know, when you're really stressed, you're like, I have to go running. Like, I really have to go running. Peter really encourages us to look at that stress response, that stress response, look at when we feel like we have to do that. Like, um, and we can sit down and we can run, um, which might feel really weird, but you can sit and you can like put a pillow underneath of your feet so you don't hurt your feet and you can, you can just run. Um, I don't know if you heard my feet, but I was doing that. So you can just run in place there. You could run in place in your house. You can actually go for a run. Maybe you've experienced that. It feels really good to go for a run. Um, I think that, you know, to pair with what Marsha might tell us to do is to, uh, to be really mindful while we're running and to notice what's happening in our body. Again, so I just want to be really thoughtful about, you know, how we're going through this. I want you to just think about how is this information impacting you? Are you curious? Do you want to know more? Um, again, by no means is this treatment. I'm not, um, telling you to do these things. I'm not, uh, I'm not saying you have to do these things, uh, but just want you to be really mindful and think about how can I approach, how can I approach my mental health and my stress response in a different way? And just know that, um, that you actually, you get to choose it. You get to choose how, how you respond. Sometimes we don't feel like we do, but we, we really do. We get to have that power. We don't always get to choose what, what happens to us, but we do get to choose how we respond. That's always within our power and our grasp. I hope that this has been helpful for you um, as we've explored and gone through um, both Marsha Linehan's work and then Peter Levine's work on the trust, uh, stress response. And, and again, coming back to this idea of like, how does that bring us back into our body? Um, so when we are under stress, when we're under duress, um, our mind can get away from us. But when we can remind ourselves, when we tell our mind, hey, the body is still here then we can come back. We can come back and be grounded. We can come back into our bodies. And, and that's, and our bodies seem to, that's where our minds want to be is in our bodies. That's where we find our, our most peace and our, our most, um, our, our, I think our, our homeostasis. Um, for all of you who are listening, who are like, Slade, I think you might've missed a point or there's something here that you need to include. Please let me know. Um, I hope that this is our positive place where we can, as friends and colleagues and students, we can share with each other. We can correct each other with love and we can improve learning altogether. And most of all, that we can improve our experience as students and as fellow human beings. It has been an absolute pleasure to be with you today on Knowledge Quest. I hope that you will join me next week. Hey everyone, thanks for listening today. If you have a question or there's a professional out there that you want me to connect with, drop me a line at kinternship at oregonstate.edu. It's kind of a mouthful, but it's K-I-N-T-E-R-N-S-H-I-P at oregonstate.edu. Or connect with me on Instagram at OSU underscore kin underscore EXP learning. Thanks so much.